my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, with at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you? I'm doing well. I watched every snap of every preseason game so far, just like Mike McCarthy did when uh, uh, he said that uh, he was trying to get the Cowboys job. I don't know where Elliot went, but he's he's gone. It's just the one box. It's all right. There you go. You're bot. You're back. Um, hello. How you doing? How's it going? My hair is glued to my head. You, you know, in the summer when you take a shower and you get out of the shower and you feel cooled off and then it hits you and it's just instant sweat and your hair sticks to your forehead. Yeah. No, I guess not. You have the short spiky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, for those of us with, you know, early nineties grunge hair, uh, this is a, a real, it's problematic. Marcus Sorry. is problematic. So we have a quick hitting podcast today going over some of the preseason takeaways, but wanted to talk uh, about a couple of things first. One of them being uh, you are already a, a betting maniac. And I thought, you know, this would be you. You proposed an interesting bet to me the other day that I thought, man, I would jump all over this. So what was it? Yeah. So uh, this is the time of year where I start depositing money into a couple different sports books, start looking at the odds and start making my bets for the seasons. Yeah. income. Uh, Yeah. There you go. Liquid. Uh, So the one bet that I decided, you know what, I'm going not all in, but this is the big one I'm rooting for this year. Chargers Saints to both make the playoffs three to one odds. I'm really excited about it. We love the Chargers this year. We also like the Saints. This is I'm excited about this one. What do you think? Well, we, we've talked about the Chargers and Saints a lot, so it's not interesting from that standpoint. What's interesting to me is that you got three to one odds. I, I, I can't, I don't know what Vegas is thinking. It, it's just, this is just like the, the bet I told you a month ago. How in the world was Vegas putting the Eagles at four to one to win the NFC East? Stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah, so I think the Saints and the Chargers are both like plus one, 125 to make the playoffs. So when you combine them together, I, I get it. The payoff makes sense. Because if you have one injury to Justin Herbert where he misses four games, Chargers yeah, probably aren't in the playoffs. You can right. say that about any team, except right. for but, maybe the but, Patriots. But the problem is when you're in that AFC West, there's just going to be so – there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room, right? So I, you can't afford to have any key guys miss more than a couple games. All right, if I tried to name seven teams better than the Chargers right now in the AFC, I'll go Buffalo – 
I'd go to the Chiefs. I won't. Okay. Uh, I'm not going anyone in the South. You want to go I'll, Baltimore or the Bengals? Uh, I don't know that you can. I, I'd go Baltimore, yes. Okay, let's just say we do the Bengals, too, for argument's sake. Yeah. Cool, that's three. We'll give you Kansas City. That's four. Now where are you going? Well, we know that there's going to be a playoff team out of the South because there has to be, right? So you can just kind of sure. pencil okay. in them, right? Right, so there's five. Right. Maybe, Maybe the Raiders? Okay, let's uh, say the I Raiders. Like the, I like the Chargers roster quite a bit more than the Raiders. Yeah. Okay, now here's where it gets really hard. Let's name seven teams better than the saints i I can't do that there's like four teams better in the nfc than the saints and the problem is once you get to like seven eight and nine those teams are all so far behind the saints they're not the one i'm worried about here it's it's really the chargers yeah because i was going to say even if we gave the cowboys and the eagles the benefit of the doubt which we shouldn't uh if we gave them both the benefit of the doubt and we gave green bay so that's three. We'll give Tampa Bay, that's four. We'll give the Rams, that's five. San Francisco, that's six. The only way is if Minnesota is seven, but I think it is a huge stretch. And Arizona. That, Those are the only other two teams that are even... I'm not going there. I'm, right, but, but no that's the IPO. point. But that's the point. They're com- you're competing with really two other teams for that last playoff spot. That's it. And the likely scenario is that Philadelphia and Dallas, whoever doesn't win the East, if it came down between them and the Saints, no way, I'm taking the Saints. So whoever the second-place team is. Uh, interesting bet, but we've got a football card pack to open. Yes, we do. Uh, so this one I am drawing out. I'm just going to see what year it is. So 1990. Pack, excuse me, a set. Yeah, 1990. Go ahead. 1990. Our first card? Yeah. Oh, no way. No way. We actually just talked about this guy the other day. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is a 1990 Fleer. Mm-hmm. That is the first year that Fleer uh, made football cards. What do you think about this card? I, you know, when it came out, I kind of liked them, but it, it's not exciting. It's a white bordered car with, I like the oval where the yeah. player's action picture appears in like an oval. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What would you give this? You know, if we go one to five, would you give this a four out of five stars? Uh, I'd say probably a three and a half. It's a fine three. card. But okay. this is, this is very topical. I'll, I'll let you talk about Eric Metcalf in just a second. But we were actually talking about him on the phone the other day, and I'm, I'm actually glad I pulled this card because we haven't got to talk about James White retiring, uh, which I thought was big news. But go ahead. You talk about Eric Metcalf first. Well, James White is big news, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. But Eric Metcalf is one of those guys that you pulled him out of the NFL 25, 30 years ago. He would be awesome today. Darren Sproles kind of gets all the credit for being – uh, that guy and my former colleague, Chris Wessling, um, used to call these satellite backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of Chris's term for for these kind of players. Eric Metcalf, though, was way more dangerous than Darren Sproles was. He just was misused. If you look at it, that's his 89 rookie season. What he run for about 600 yards, probably caught balls for 400 and something more yards that year and had kick and punt returns. Yeah, 633 rushing yards, 397 receiving yards, 10 uh, touchdowns from scrimmage. It's a really good season. Yeah, and that's not counting his all-purpose yards because I know he returned uh, kicks and punts. Uh, Eric Metcalf's dad, Terry Metcalf, may have had the greatest all-around season ever uh, for the Cardinals in the mid-'70s, so uh, really cool. Now, James White, fantastic pass catcher. I always thought James White was really good in the clutch. It's easy for him to kind of get lost in the sea of Patriots smallish backs that they used uh, in a lot of different ways. You think Deion Lewis, mm-hmm. um, you think Danny Woodhead, um, Kevin, Kevin Falk. Falk. Yeah. 
you know, they, the first guy I remember them really trying to use in that manner was J.R. Redmond, uh, who caught a couple pretty big balls on the game-winning drive against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Then they had a guy named Patrick Pass, and then I think Falk really became that guy for them. Yeah, and, and James White, one of my favorite players because he was so good in big games. I kind of think he should have been the MVP of the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. Fair. He scored three touchdowns in that game. Fair take. Yeah, I think he had like 14 receptions. He was phenomenal in the second half. He is the only player in NFL history to have multiple games in the postseason of 12 or more receptions. It's one of the best receiving backs that we've had uh, come into the NFL in a long time and going to miss him. He had a fantastic career with New England. And better hairdo than me right now. I've got the alfalfa matted down butt cut going. I just looked. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you on James White. Um, I know why he didn't get the MVP. I mean, because Brady led that incredible comeback, dropped a dime to Martellus Bennett down the seam when they really needed it, uh, something he never did for the Cowboys, Martellus Bennett. Anyway. Not familiar uh, with who that is, but go ahead. But I'm with you. There was some other news that we probably haven't talked about since they happened. One of them was Zach Wilson. The Jets kind of got off the uh, – uh, what, what would you say there? I'm trying to think of what – what I would call it. I mean, they were pretty scared there. It was not looking good for them. And uh, Dwayne Brown got signed as well mm-hmm. um, over the last few days when we were not potting. Uh, but that being said, we had some preseason takeaways actual, actually from the games themselves, uh, starting with the Cowboys, who we just mentioned a little while ago. Um, they did not look good, Marcus. And this penalty issue, they're not good enough to overcome this. They are. I'm just not overly concerned about 16 preseason penalties when the Cowboys scratched 30 players. Like the guys that were creating penalties in this game, most of them aren't going to be on the roster when it comes to week one. So if this continues to be a problem into the regular season, that's when I'll be concerned. But I think it's a little bit overblown for week one of the preseason. I think that's fair. But at the same time, if that were true, what you're saying, then every team would have 12 to 16 penalties because they're all playing guys that aren't going to be on the team, except for the bad teams that need these guys to make the team right away. Dallas doesn't need as many of these young players to make the team. Dallas is hoping to find, what, two or three gems, and that would be great. Um, Right. To me, this speaks to organizational culture and what you prioritize. Like I said, why don't the Rams, why don't the 49ers, why don't the Bills – Uh, Why don't the Chiefs have 14, 16 penalties? Because they just have a culture where that's not accepted. Uh, The Cowboys do. And when you have a head coach that blames the refs, I'm sorry. I know I'm going to keep harping on this, but what what about that preseason opener would make you feel the least bit confident in Mike McCarthy? It's just a preseason game. That's all. I understand. It's just – you have get it. You're, you're, you had all of your starters on both sides of the ball not play, and this you know in preseason you want these guys to pick, play fast and not overthink things too much. Sure, so it happens. Sure. I just it's it not a concern. It happens. It's not a concern for you. Uh, it is for me. Um, could you have a good takeaway for Sean McDermott from Buffalo's preseason game? You bet you could. Sure. So um, I don't think preseason means absolutely nothing. I, I'm, I'm hoping it means nothing if you're the Giants because our next team, you know, you and I are big on Brian Dables hiring, especially you. That was your favorite mm-hmm. hiring, right, of, of the season. 
and of the offseason rather and the giants don't look good and i look at their skill positions they really need saquon barkley to be the guy that he used to be and by the way he looks pretty decent to me uh it's not really about him it's just that i don't know what dable's going to be able to do with these skill guys uh galladay i don't know that he fits that team and daniel jones did he do anything to build your confidence uh, no, and Brian Dable's been kind of sounding the alarms for a couple of weeks now that, hey, we're way behind on offense, and it's going to take a while. He even saw today that Tyrod Taylor going to get some snaps for the first team. I was just about to ask you, yeah. if I were to give you a bet, um, two to one odds that Tyrod Taylor is a starter by week eight, would you take him? No, I wouldn't, but it's uh, he's going to start some games this year. I, I have no doubt about it. All right. Well, I thought for sure you'd be a taker because you take every other bet. Uh, okay. Sorry. We Marcus believes in betting responsibly. Okay. Yeah. Betting on what what you want to happen, fun outcomes. You bet. You like to bet on things you know are going to happen. I want. I want to bet on fun. Well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of fun in Chicago offensively this year if that offensive line is not better. Um, we've talked about that a little bit. I'm concerned about the defensive side of the ball. Kansas City went right down the field with their ones on two. Didn't they play two possessions? Their Kansas City's ones. The the first possession, it was just like it was like a seven on seven for Kansas City. They were just moving it so efficiently and smoothly. And this offseason just hasn't been good to that side of the ball for the Bears. They had uh, mass departure. Obviously, Khalil Mack went to the Chargers, but their their second best defensive player requested a trade. Mm -hmm. Um, I. I, I still think this could be a bottom five defense. It could be a bottom five offensive line in the league, too. If you have a bottom five defense and a bottom five offensive line and an inexperienced sophomore quarterback, I think five and 12 might be, I don't want to say pie in the sky, but that might actually be a little bit the high water mark for this yeah, team. Yeah, and they're going to be starting two rookies in their secondary, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. It's a really young team. The good news here. I thought Justin Fields looked phenomenal in the preseason game. I mean, he he made a lot of things happen. Chicago fans, that's just be excited about Fields because I'm not sure you're going to be able to be excited about much else. Be excited about Marcus speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Preseason's important when it's Chicago's quarterback, when it's the Cowboys well, I mean, racking up 29 penalties. He made penalties. some incredible throws, and that's just what you yeah. want to see. But that's that's really the only thing that matters in Chicago. Uh, right, and the only thing that matters in Dallas is they made some incredible penalties. You okay, let's go. Let's go to a team I was just talking about. I do think you could have a positive takeaway with Buffalo. We've talked about whether or not they're the best team in the league. You were telling me that you were thoroughly impressed with their defense. Kind of turned into a Matt Ryan conversation when we were yeah. on the phone. But let's just stick with Buffalo's secondary. They've got some guys, young guys in the secondary. Do you think this defense is going to be good enough if Josh Allen is a little bit inconsistent early on? I just want to say, so the the Colts, they took on Buffalo on Saturday. The Colts played their first string offense. And my guess, the plan was to have two full series out there, but they could get absolutely nothing going against Buffalo's second and third string defense. And they just smothered them. Like the, the talent differential on Buffalo's backup and third string defensive line against the Colts starting offensive line was crazy and Buffalo was clearly not afraid of the Colts speed or lack thereof at all. Buffalo, this is this is the best roster in the NFL and you saw why on Saturday. They're just so deep everywhere. Yeah, just a side note on that. The Colts had two holes in their offensive line coming into this season, guard and tackle. I think they're 
it might be up the creek at tackle Marcus and you don't want to see it be something like what happened to the Chargers last year in the season finale uh, where Matt Ryan is just getting pressure from one side constantly constantly they've got he's not mobile like Justin Herbert is either so not at this stage of his career so that was really never the strength of Matt Ryan's game we'll we'll see how he does Uh, Miami Dolphins obviously to us, the the focal point for everybody. But one of the things I wanted to talk about here is I just there was a lot of Twitter talk about uh, Mike McDaniel not wanting to play anybody. Uh, with what they played Tampa Bay, I think it was Friday or Saturday they played Tampa. Saturday and afternoon. Yep. There you go. And Marcus, always good to memorize the preseason schedule. And uh, I rely on you for that. And yep. you know. I, I just don't think Mike McDaniel's going to show his hand at all. I think he's one of these guys that I, I don't want to say he's cocky, but I think he's very confident about what he can do schematically. He's kind of that breed of head coach, and they don't want to show you anything, anything nope. whatsoever. They're that guy that plays Clue and goes into a room and says the person, the weapon, and the room, and they have all those cards already in their hand. They're just trying to throw you off. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason for Mike McDaniel to show anything. I think they open up the season against New England. Yeah, they're going to play very vanilla in the preseason. You're probably not going to see Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell, and maybe not even Tua, and that's probably by design. So not surprised that they were one of the more boring offenses of week one. I love how you have the preseason schedule memorized, but not week one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they play New England. You know, when they play in Miami, New England has had more trouble down in Miami than anywhere. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Even when Miami's had a really weak team, I think it, one of the weirdest ones was when Gronk had the Hail Mary kind of play cornered, and then he mm-hmm. took a bad angle. Do you remember that? Of course. Back it was Kenyon Drake that scored it. Yep. Yeah, I think it was 2018. Uh, yep. Crazy play. New England to cover the spread, but go ahead. <laughs> Okay, uh, this is a topic. That was a topic I wanted to talk about. You wanted to talk to Sean Watson in his play with Cleveland. What what did you see there? Yeah, it's his first game since, was it January of 2021, the playoff mm-hmm. game that he had? Uh, it didn't look good. His first pass was a bootleg out to the left that he overthrew Anthony Schwartz by like 10 yards. Um, inaccurate, rusty, got booed a bunch. But maybe the bigger news for Cleveland their center, Nick Harris, uh, he tore his ACL on the second play of the game. He's out for the season. They've already put him on IR. That's the worst. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. So uh, we knew Watson was going to look a little bit rusty. I didn't expect him to look that bad. Just something to, to keep an eye on. Well, it's 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 bad because uh, you know, the center isn't always the the veteran presence on the line, but a lot of times they're making the line calls out there. And when you have a different quarterback in there, not just Watson, but Cleveland's going to be playing multiple quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. You need a center out there that knows what he's doing, and you lose your starter in the preseason like this, and camp's pretty much over. I don't, I don't want you haven't lost reps, but. It's 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 just a tough injury uh, well, for a team and, to overcome. And, and then his backup yesterday in practice tore his ACL. So the Browns are down two centers after Jeez, the week one of preseason. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Deshaun's last game was definitely not a playoff game. I think they went four and twelve, bro. Well, yeah. Well, I think it was that what last game of the twenty twenty season it happened like January twenty twenty one. Yeah, I did get very angry when he made that spin move against Buffalo a few years ago in the playoffs uh, when they had him cornered. That was the worst. Uh, Okay, 
Let's stay in the AFC North real quick. Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of people talking about Kenny Pickett. Um, to me, it, it you know, obviously people want to see him get the ball out of his hands. I get that. I, I don't see any way Mitch Trubisky is not the starter here. And I think there's other young players on the Steelers that merit being talked about more than Pickett. Yeah, George Pickens had a huge day, and he's going to be a factor for this offense. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say one thing about preseason in general. Unlike the regular season, the goal for these teams is all different, right? Every team has a different goal that they're trying to accomplish in the preseason. Some teams care about winning. The Baltimore Ravens clearly care about winning in the preseason. That's why they've won their last 22 preseason games. Yeah. Some teams just want to build the confidence of their quarterbacks. And I think that's what Pittsburgh did. They had... Very easy design plays for Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph. I thought Kenny Pickett looked fine. Um, I thought he was okay. But now they need to take the training wheels off a little bit here in week two. But for a a week one performance in the preseason, not too bad. Yeah, not to mention, they can't have a bunch of quick throw, you know, at the line of scrimmage type plays. I get it. That that gets a young quarterback confidence. But Pittsburgh just relied on that last year, and their offense was stuck in neutral most of the time. And your point on Baltimore is well taken. You know, some teams care about discipline and not, you know, committing a lot of penalties. They understand that it's contagious, and other teams don't. So, Kansas City, a um, couple points to be made here. This I wanted to talk about this a little bit. So, Marcus was telling me on the phone uh, last night about what a conventional offense Kansas City played against Chicago's defense, even employing a fullback. And – I think it's interesting because when you lose a guy like Tyreek Hill, um, it's not just his production. It's literally the fear and in having to defend a larger part of the of, of the football field, having more cushion. And I don't know that Nicole Hardman really presents the same threat. He Hardman's a very explosive player, um, but I I really could see Kansas City maybe being a little bit more conventional, even though that's not Andy Reid's M.O. He never really ran the ball in Philly. Why not, Marcus? Why not maybe reduce a little bit of Mahomes' dropbacks? I mean, you call it conventional. I call it like old school, right? Because we just okay. don't see many people like play I-formation football. True. But True. You're right. You're right. But that's what Kansas City was doing in this game. They had fullbacks. They had Sometimes they had a fullback and two tight ends on the field including Blake Bell. Like they I think their goal of the preseason is to really work on the running game because I think they're going to have to utilize the run game more whether that's with Clyde Edwards-Helaire or their 7th round pick Isaiah Pacheco. I think yeah. they need to be able to run the ball more consistently when they get into some of these playoff games. So obviously this is not going to be their full-time offense. This is still going to be a wide open Mahomes first offense, but I think they when they need to run the ball They've got to be better at doing it. You know, I I would ask you, do you think that Kansas City really ought to consider doing this, given that their defense is average at best, their pass rushers are getting a little bit older. These are not young uh, guys, their main forces up front. This is a great way to give your defense a little bit of rest, man. Have a little more time of possession. I know that sounds weird to say with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but You've even pointed out on this podcast, Travis Kelsey is what, 33 years old? 33. I, I don't think they need to do it to protect their defense. Where I do think they need to do it when it when they're up 33 to 21 late in the game and they just need to burn clock. Like that's when the running game needs to be good. But no, I, I still think this should be a relatively wide open, fast paced offense most of the time. 
Well, I just want to give a final point here. Uh, Kansas City is our last team that we were going to talk about specifically. And uh, Lynn Dawson, Hall of Fame quarterback, went to hospice care a couple of days ago. That news came by. Uh, Lynn Dawson is truly one of the least talked about great quarterbacks in league history. And part of that reason is because he was really dominant in the AFL. But he led the AFL in passing multiple times. Marcus, if you pull up Lynn Dawson's pro football reference page, it's all bolts. Like if you just read off the bolts, it's crazy how many times he led the AFL in either completion percentage or passer rating. Uh, you're talking about the MVP, a Super Bowl four. This is a guy that played until he was 40 years old. He played 19 seasons. Mm-hmm. He was the host of HBO's Inside the NFL. I just don't think he's treated like league royalty the way he should be. I agree with you. I mean, you play, was it, 19 years in the NFL? Uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And you're right. I mean, he led the NFL in so many different categories from 62 until 69. Uh, great career. Um yeah, do you know he's the the number five overall pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers? Actually, yeah, in nineteen fifty seven. Yeah, uh, he he kind of washed out with Pittsburgh. They had a young quarterback. They had Ted Marchabroda at that time. Uh, I think Pittsburgh had Earl Morrill for a time too. But then he went to Cleveland under Paul Brown. But the Browns had a starter that they were pretty happy with in Milt Plum, and so he kind of washed out of the NFL a little bit. But there was a startup league in nineteen sixty, the AFL. He went and signed with the Dallas Texans in 1962. His first year in the AFL, he took the Texans to the AFL championship and won the game in overtime. And then he became, they went to Kansas City the next year and he became one of the, one of the AFL's greatest quarterbacks. And then obviously, uh, NFL, you know, pro football hall of famer. I just wanted to say that, you know, between his off field work, uh, with Kansas City Chiefs broadcast for a long time inside the NFL and HBO, if you used to watch that, it was him and Nick Bonacani. Um, and then, of course, his play on the field. Uh, I just think he's NFL royalty. Uh, he's also part of maybe one of the best pictures, still images in NFL history, right? Uh, yes. How, I mean, it's true, right? How often do we see that picture of him at halftime of the Super Bowl smoking a cig and uh, is it having a beer ne- right next to him? I think it's a fresca. Is it a I do think I, I think it's a fresca. I, I think I've only had one fresca in my life, but I know a lot of people. Still, it's a cool yeah. image, right? Yes. Uh, there's a great Ted Knight line, though, from uh, from. Well, you never saw Caddyshack, did you? Oh, of course. Only a million times. How about a fresco? So anyway, I, I wanted to say this about Lynn Dawson. He was one of my dad's favorite players. My dad was a Chiefs fan. My dad uh, actually liked the Dallas Texans and people that were in Dallas in the early 60s or in that area. They chose between the Texans and the Cowboys, and it was an even split between the two teams and Dallas just wasn't big enough to support two professional teams. Kansas city made Lamar hunt their owner, a sweetheart deal. And so he went to Kansas city. Now Clark hunt, of course, uh, runs the team, but I wanted to say that about Lynn Dawson, uh, before we got out of here, but as always, I'm going to give you the final thought. Yes. We're going into week two of the preseason. I expect us to see more starters this week. This is going to be, Pretty much like the dress rehearsal game that we're used to seeing in week three of the preseason. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see which teams do play their starting quarterbacks. Like we saw Matt Ryan play into the second quarter. We saw Patrick Mahomes get multiple drives. How many of these teams are going to risk putting their starting quarterbacks out there in the preseason when the regular season is longer than ever before? Something I'm keeping an eye on. How do you not play Matt Ryan? You're coming I mean, you kind of have to, right? He's coming off a bad game. He's with all new players. This isn't practice. By the way, 
people talk about preseason being short, shortened. They don't realize that training camp used to be two-a-days. You've got a lot more reps with players than you get now. Um, I, I think a guy like that, especially for a team that fancies itself a uh, contender. So I, I agree with you. I think that's an interesting thing to to take a look at. But that's going to be it for us today. Marcus has got a tea time, let's be honest. So, I mean, we, we have to roll. But baby. If you want a little more of Marcus Mosher, head on over to Locked On Cowboys. He and Landon McCool do a great job. He covers the Raiders for USA Today. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL. That's right, at Harrison NFL on Twitter. I don't know why I said it twice. I just felt like it. Thanks to Courtney and Eric and Herbert and all the gang over there at Brinks. We're going to leave you with some synth music. Take care, everybody. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities.